And here's the thing. Think about it. Jesus says, come follow me. <coughs> Jesus, where are we going? Jesus never tells them where they're going. He just says, come and follow me. Now, now let, let me give you some background on me a little bit with this. This is so come and follow me. I told the Lord years ago, I'm like, okay, Jesus. I'll make a deal with you. I'm going to become a computer science major. I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to support missions. And we're going to be good because I'm doing good stuff in the kingdom. And Jesus told me, I didn't tell you to make a lot of money and support missions like that. Yeah, go support missions, but I didn't tell you that this is how you're going to do it. And I'm like, but, but Jesus... You know, it'll be fine. I, I got this. And so I, I remember I'm sitting in a Sunday school class in church, and somebody's like, you know, so what, what are your plans? I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, finish up my degree, become a programmer, make a lot of money, and I'm going to support missions. And somebody in class just stopped and looked at me and said, did the Lord tell you to do that? <laughs> <laughs> And I just sort of stopped and was like, um, but it's good, <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's serving the kingdom and this is what they told me. Your good idea is the enemy of the God idea that God's planted in your heart. And all of a sudden it hit me. I'm trying to do something, but it's not what God called me to do or told me to do. I remember some years ago, I was up late. It was like a crazy night. I'm talking with a friend, and this is what he told me. He goes, Dan, stop trying to plug holes that God did not tell you to plug. You're doing all the good stuff, but you are not doing the God stuff. They are godly, but they're not what God told you to do. Because let's be honest, you're like, hey, well, God, what do you want me to do? What are you calling me to do? Jesus is calling you to follow him. Yeah. Now, what that looks like is going to be different for every single one of you. And now in your heads, I know you're, you're thinking like Moses was when God called him. But God, I got student loans, Jesus. <laughs> You don't pay off those student loans for me? But, but, but God, what are my parents going to say? They have helped me get through school. They have taken care of me. They have raised me. You know they don't like this whole idea. Wait, wait give a year? Give a year for what? Because of Jesus. Because he told you to. Wait, pray about a lifetime, a lifetime of what? of following after him. And some of you have already probably had these discussions with your families like, wait, well, what you going to do about the bullet? How you going to make money? <laughs> Interns, I'm sure you got this. <laughs> wait. Ah, wait. So, so you mean to tell me you're going to beg people <laughs> to give you money so you can go and preach to people? I see I got some witnesses in the audience right now. <laughs> and here's the thing. 
somebody asked me that one time, I said, look, I'm not begging anybody to do anything. I'm just asking him to partner with me in what God called me to do. Yeah. Because if I'm partnering with him, he's going to provide the finance. He's going to meet every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And because of that, I don't have to worry about the student loan debt because you know what? Jesus can take care of it. If he owns all the cattle on the thousand hills, he can sell a little bit of cattle and pay off my debt. He can pay off my debt. But what we do is we concern ourselves with all of these issues and sometimes go, where am I going to go, Jesus? And what we have to recognize is that sometimes, and I was guessing most of the time, the call of God is to a deed and not a destination. He is calling us to do some things. It is not necessarily where we do them. Now, sometimes God will say, I want you to go here and do this. But many times over it's go do this. This is why the Great Commission, it says, as you are going, teach all nations. He's not saying where to go, go. There's a reason why when persecution hit the church in Acts chapter 8, all of a sudden, everybody ran and they carried the gospel with them. And now we all know, when you run for your life, you don't all run as a group because they're going to come and get all of y'all. <laughs> you split and you run. And you pray for the other people going that way if you run in this way. That is how life works. But here's the deal. When Jesus calls you to follow him, He lays things out in a unique way that we don't often consider. There's not a slide for this, but in Mark chapter 3, when Jesus appoints the 12 apostles, and Mark is the only gospel that makes this note, beginning in verse 13, he says, and he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. We too often get concerned about the preaching and having authority to cast out demons that we miss the first thing that he called them to do. And that was to be with him. That's good. The call to follow Jesus is a call to be with him. And out of your being with him and out of being in a relationship with him, you can then go out and do the things he called you to do. And what we do is we try to run in, get a little bit of Jesus over here, and then run out and demonstrate some power that we don't have. While Jesus says, no, 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 come be with me. Now here's the thing, remember the whole Jesus, what we're going to do? Tell us, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Now more often than not, we turn around and we talk about how, look, you know, they were fishermen, they were casting their nets, and so Jesus did a nice little play on what they were doing. But these were Jewish men who knew the scriptures as well. And in Jeremiah chapter 16, 
getting in verse 14. We, we have this whole thing where the Lord is speaking through Jeremiah and he is talking about how there will be judgment among the people for their sins. But then in verse 14 of Jeremiah chapter 16, there is a slight shift in the entire conversation. And he says, therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said as the, the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where they had been driven. For I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. And then he says this, Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. And afterward I will send for them many hunters, and they will hunt for them from every mountain and every hill, and out of the clefts of the rocks, for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me. Nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first, I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations. And there's an interjection that says, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble, to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless, worthless things in which there is no profit. Can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods. Therefore, behold, I will make them know. I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Here's the crazy thing about this. It's in the midst of a prophecy about judgment that there is this hope of restoration given. And he talks about sending out fishers and there are people who debate back and forth. Well, is this part of the judgment? Is this part of the restoration? But notice, he's, he's sending them out to gather people in in order that they might know that the Lord is God. And as a result, these people would have known, yeah, they were actually fishermen, but they would have caught the understanding that God was calling them to take part in what he was calling for the restoration of his people. And as a result, you need to recognize today that that same call applies to you today. It wasn't just for them way back when because they were appointed as apostles. It's for you because Jesus is calling you The beauty of it is this. As we walk along life's journey, and we're following after Jesus, and, and let me tell you, there are going to be moments and times where you're like, well, God, am I hearing your voice? Is this you? And there are doubts, and there are questions. Seek somebody out that you trust. Talk to people who are further along in the faith and who hear the voice of God. And ask them for their wisdom to be imparted to you in order that you might be able to discern what Christ is calling you to. Sometimes being a bishop of people is simply a matter of you're going to the person next door. Sometimes it means you're going to the other side of the planet. The issue is this. 
as you are going, fish for people. Now, after leaving behind all this stuff, you might think, well, they're with Jesus. The road is going to be easy because you have God in the flesh right here with them. Newsflash. Following Jesus does not lead you to an easy road. If you think it does, you are reading the wrong Bible or you have not read the Bible at all. And that's okay. Just open up. Go to Mark. Don't go to John. Go to Mark. And you will get the scoop on this. Because we think, oh wait, my life is going to be a life of ease. And I will tell you, there are people who preach, oh, once you come to Jesus, all your worries go away, all your pains and troubles go away. Lies. <laughs> and I would dare say, it is a lie that the American church has preached for decades. And when we open up the word of God, I'm sorry, but the word that applied in the first century is the word that applies in the 21st century. I had an old retired missionary tell me, if it does not work in the bush of Africa, it does not work here in the U.S. Because if the word of God is universally applicable to all of our lives, then it's going to apply the same way. Now, here's what ends up happening. In the story of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler, he goes away, and all of a sudden, chapter 10 turns around. Remember that whole thing? You know, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of people. Chapter 10, verse 28. You've got this situation where Jesus has told us, man, hey, sell all your possessions, get rid of them all, come and follow me. And he leaves. Now notice, here's what we would normally do in this day and age. Wait, 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 don't, 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 don't leave, don't leave. Let's see. Maybe, just maybe we can, we can want to sell half of your possessions and then you can come, you know. Wait, 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 you know, I, I, need, I need you to be a part of my community. Wait, because you're popular, so don't give up your popularity. Do whatever you need to do to keep your popularity, because you're going to draw some more people into my, to my small group, right? And all of a sudden, instead of being concerned with the soul of the individual, we become concerned with utilizing them as a tool for our benefit and for our outcome, which does not bring glory to God. So Jesus modeled for us what needed to happen to this person. They didn't fully want to be in the kingdom because they were not willing to give up what they needed to give up to be in the kingdom. And everybody's astonished and everybody's amazed. But then Peter speaks up and says, see, we have left everything and followed him. I'm sure Peter was thinking about that moment in the boat. When Jesus would say, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of people. We have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now at this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Here's the caveat. With persecutions. 
but in the age to come, eternal life. But many who were first with you last will be last first. We run into a situation where we suddenly discover that the early church did not have it easy. They might have experienced walking with Jesus, some of them, and they might have experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in great missions. But think about this. All of a sudden, Jesus is saying, oh yeah, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Great! And people are there. All the people in Judea, they're just over there. We're good. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. The rest of the world is dying and going to hell, and we don't care. And suddenly, persecution hits the church. And it was the persecution that pushed people out to carry the gospel. I don't say this flippantly, but I believe that as Christians, we are too comfortable. We like the ease of our churches and our cushy seats. Or we like where we get to meet for our Chi Alpha meetings. And they're nice, warm buildings. Usually some of us have our own ministry centers, which is great. And we thank God for his blessings. At the same time, Jesus did not call you to a road of ease or comfort. He calls you to take up your cross an instrument of execution and death. He says to take up your cross and follow me. Now taking up your cross does not mean I am seeking to be a martyr. I say people who seek out the whole martyr thing, and that's sort of sick and twisted. But I think we should all seek to have the grace that God gives those who he does call to such ends for his glory. It's because of those people that others have come to know Jesus. Now, I'm not calling you to come and physically die. But I am calling you to come and die to yourself. And if the Lord calls you to physically die, to do that. The call of God is not an easy call to fulfill. But it is a fulfilling call. For he walks with you. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to just bow their heads for a moment. I'm going to ask that the worship team to come back up at this time. I know I've said a lot out of these five verses that I started with and then we moved to a couple of different places. But I believe that there are those of you who are here who are trying to figure out, God, what are the next steps that you have for me? You're trying to figure out, okay, God, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? And for some of you, the Lord has already spoken to you. And for those that the Lord has spoken to, some of you are saying, but God, what about my family? What are they going to say? What does this mean for my relationship? What does this mean about the friends that you might be calling me to give up because of what you've called me to do? 
And I think for some of you, I've probably offended some of your senses right now by knowing that the call to follow Jesus is not so easy. But I do guarantee you this. It might not be easy, but Christ will grace you to go along the journey and follow him. I'm not one for long altar calls, but I do want you, if you fall into any of these categories where you are seeking the face of God in order to find out what he wants for you to do and how he wants you to follow him, I want you to come right now. If you're one of these people who's struggling with this whole concept of what about my family, what about my parents saying they don't like this idea, I want you to come because we need to give these things over to God. And some of you, you're trying to figure out, okay, let me count the cost of following Jesus. Because more often than not, we don't count the cost before following. We don't count the cost before giving our answer of a yes. And I want you to come. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and in your mind that you might discern what that cost is and to truly ask for God to work in your heart that you would unequivocally say yes to Jesus. Feel free to come at this time.